Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Again, welcome everybody. Uh, We've muted you. Uh, for a reason that way we don't have uh, you know 65 to 70 different noises coming across this so that we can hear this together at the end of our time together I'll be putting it back to Pastor Trish and we'll uh, get a chance for you to uh, wave at each other Um, we're going to be again it was mentioned earlier we're going to be this is uh, the last Sunday of the month and we're going to be having a time of communion the last Sunday normally we gather around the Lord's table and it still is the Lord's table the Lord's table doesn't have to be at the front of an auditorium. The Lord's table is where his church gets together and they partake together in remembrance of him. And so if you can plan, prepare for that. Uh, we're going to be doing that in just a few minutes from now and invite your family to be a part of it. And uh, just, I think it will be a blessing to all of you. Uh, the scripture was made mention of in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And if you have 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I invite you to just follow along with me as we read, starting at verse 8. I'm reading from the New International. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, do not lose heart. Just grab a hold of that, if you would, that that phrase, verse 16. Do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We have um, started into a series that uh, being baseball season, or I guess not baseball season this season, I wanted to talk about an expression used in, in it's a ball expression, uh, when life throws you a curveball. And we've talked a little bit, some of, I know some of you listening and watching, you like baseball, you just, you, you don't even like to watch it. Uh, you don't maybe understand it. I've come to appreciate, I kind of like, like, who doesn't understand baseball? I've discovered there's a lot of people in Aurora that do not understand baseball. But I guess that can be said of me when it comes to some other sports as well. We talked a little bit about baseball and here was a scripture and I was thinking about this this morning and there's an expression I've often said, if God is for us, finish it. Who can be against us? 
Well, I was thinking of that this morning. I was thinking, where exactly is that scripture? And so I just, I just uh, pulled that scripture up, and it's actually found in Romans 8.31, and it's quoted accurately. It says, what then shall we say in response to things? You put that into, to what are these things? We can fill in the blanks. But whatever these things are, if God is for us, who can stand against us? And that is really what this whole series, this three-part series, I'm in the last part this week, when life throws us a curveball. The whole idea here, and my theme really this morning, is the winning team. I want to talk about that. So I'm just going to do a quick little review and go to the last week. It's, it's on podcast. You can go to our website, auroracornerstone.ca, and you can pick up. I shared five things last week. I'm going to close with five more things this week. And the first thing I shared with last week, here I have a baseball bat in my hand. I hope you can see that. Uh, nobody else is in the room, so we're all safe. And uh, the first thing we talked regarding learning some basic things when life throws you a curveball, number one, we need, to know, we need to know how to hold our bat as believers. Now, you're not going to find that quoted in Scripture, but you will find that we need to know how to handle God's Word correctly. I talked about it. I'm not going to talk about it again. The second thing I mentioned last week, is when it comes to the game of baseball, oh my goodness, you need a lot of patience. I mean, a lot of patience. You need patience when you go up to bat. You need patience when you're in the outfield. You need patience as a coach. You need patience when you run the bases. You need patience. And patience is one of the fruit of the spirit. And God has perfect timing. Talked about that last week. Third thing I brought up last week was physical conditioning. They come out of spring training. They get ready. Uh, they go into a lot of conditioning. And, and we need to put our lives up against certain checkpoints. How are you doing relationally to God? How are you doing relationally to others? And I challenged those we were watching last week. Would you take some time and develop relationships you don't have to be in person. You don't have to be side by side. You don't have to be arms around each other. You can do it by phone. You can do it by email. You can do it through social media, but develop relationships. And even as we transition out of this time of isolations, may there be a resolve in our heart, maybe the awareness of how we haven't been as close to some people as we should have been. The other thing we talked of was the winning strategy. It's about teamwork. We're not in this by ourselves. You know, sometimes we get to thinking because sometimes we think team members slow us down. We'll just do it alone. And that's a huge mistake. The enemy of our soul loves to separate, divide, and conquer. And we can't do it alone. We're not called to do it alone. We're called to do it in the context of a team, people around us. Who's your team? Who are you pacing with? And lastly, last week, you talked about we need to not just be a player. We are also called to be the umpire who has the authority to throw the devil out of the game. And when you're lied to, when you are lied against, when, when you have false accusations brought against you by others or even your own, your own heart, your own thoughts, your own mind, we need to just resist those, resist the devil, the Bible says, and he will flee from you. We need to throw him out of the game. Well, today I got five more I want to share. So uh, uh, here we are, more baseball. This is the last week, so you know, hang in there with me. But the first one I wanted to talk about today comes from, uh, I'm going to use the first one, uh, get back up to bat. It's my first point. And I'm going to use the scripture, Hebrews 12, verse 1. Hebrews 12, 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, 
fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Here's one of the realities of baseball, particularly Major League Baseball. One of the realities is when you go up the bat, you're going to get hit by the ball once in a while. The pitcher, hopefully not intentionally, but they're going to hit you. I mean, they're just throwing crazy speeds. And when they wind back and they let that thing, like just the smallest of their mechanics change can cause that ball to go wild. They might even be trying to pull you off the plate. And so they're coming in close on your hands for a reason to try to pull you back. And they get a little too aggressive on that. And you get hit. You get hit on the hands, get hit on the, on, on the helmet, get hit on the shoulder, get hit on the shins. When a ball comes at you in the major leagues at 90, high 90s or 100 miles an hour, and it's as hard as a rock, it can daze you. And there's going to be times you're going to be laying on the dirt and you're going to be looking up going, I'm not sure if I really want to get back up again. Like that, that was really painful. And maybe we go back to the dugout and, and, you know, others are taking their turn. The game goes on. It kind of passes before us. And it's, it's easy for us to say, listen, I, I, I quit. I don't want to get hit again. I don't want that pain again. Um, let someone else do it. I want to say in the game of baseball, you can't quit. You ought not to quit. And I want to use that analogy because uh, we have the scripture we have here. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And you know what the cloud of witnesses, they're like a grandstand in the stadium. And we get knocked down. They're, they're on their feet saying, get back up. They're on their feet saying, listen, we, we got knocked down too. We got a great cloud of witness who's gone before us and they have experienced being hit, being knocked down, the pain. When Paul, I read that scripture earlier from Corinthians, he said, these are light afflictions. And I was thinking, Paul, your afflictions were nothing light. They were heavy afflictions. I mean, you had it rough. That was a bad go. He says, but they're light afflictions because Paul had the perspective and it's the perspective that Jesus talked about that if we get into the yoke with our Lord and Savior Christ, he does the heavy lifting. He does most of the pulling. Our part is actually pretty easy. He takes the brunt of all of it. The bit that trickles off to us is small and it's manageable. And those who've gone before us testify, they stand to their feet and they say, get back up. Listen, you can do this. You can finish the race. Whoever hurt you, Whoever hits you, whatever pain you experience is nothing compared to what he has taken on your behalf. You need to get back up to bat. You need to go after it. Maybe some of you, that just speaks to you today. You just need to get back up to bat. You just kind of opted out of the game. Somebody hurt you. They spoke against you. They didn't speak to you. You were wounded, whatever that might be. Get back into the game. Well, I want to take you to the second one. I'm going to go through these quickly, just five. The winning attitude. The winning attitude. You know, in sports, attitude plays a huge part of winning or losing. And uh, I, I came across a story, a baseball story, I want to tell you. You may or may not be familiar with it. Back in 1962, uh, this is during the early days of uh, baseball expansion, and New York, City, New York City was expanding, and they started a new team in the National League that year. Uh, the team's official name was called uh, the Metropolitans. Well, now we know them as the New York Mets, the National League. They started in 1962. And you know what? They were so bad. Their first year record, they set a record 
40 wins and 120 losses. As a matter of fact, their wives didn't even want to go to the game. I mean, it was just so embarrassing. And their kids is like, I don't know who that person is. And, you know, it's their kids. They were just so embarrassing. They were like a team just being put together in their first year. And you should expect it. But here's the interesting thing. In the city of New York, people came to the games. <laughs> the fan base grew because the people felt sorry for them. And they thought those poor guys, you know, and so they cheered them on and they just applauded them and encouraged them and, you know, keep going. And they had a horrible, dismal first year. And as a matter of fact, the next year wasn't much better. From 1962 to 1968, the highest they ever finished in the National League East Division, the highest was ninth place. But here's the interesting part about the story. 1969, they made a few acquisitions and and they were still against all odds down in Vegas. They were not bet for. They were against all odds. And, but they had an attitude. They had a winning attitude. And it was contagious. And it was recognized as it got late into the season. Like, who are these people? They not only made the playoffs, they worked their way through the playoffs, but they made the finals. They got into the championship game and they got into the World Series. And they're playing in the World Series. And they were playing against the American League Baltimore Orioles. And the newspapers dubbed it as David and Goliath. And uh, Baltimore Orioles were the Goliath. They were massive. They had, their team was stacked. They should win, hands down. They should take it in, you know, like four games type thing. But surprise, surprise, they grounded out, the Mets grounded out. And in five games, five games, they put the Baltimore Orioles out and they won the World's champion they were uh world series and in that in five games and and they talked about this was the david who took down goliath and i was thinking about that and i was thinking well what made david so special i'm going to pull out five things very quickly number one david made time to know god in psalms 23 the lord is my shepherd i shall not want you know what differentiated david from the rest of the israelites around him on the day he took down goliath was those around David knew about God, but David knew his God. And I'm going to encourage you. There are many who know about God. They will say, I'm a Christian. They will say, I'm a churchgoer. But if the truth be told, they don't really know God. They've not invested in an intimate personal relationship. That was number one. Secondly, David understood God's covenant. He understood that if God is for you, who is against you? He understood that if you stand with God, you love and obey him, God will be on your side. He will always be faithful to you. He doesn't break his covenant. David also understood that what was, what was meant when you needed to speak your faith. When he went on that battlefield with Goliath, he just didn't think what he was about to do. He called out to Goliath and he said, you defy my God. So today, my God is going to bring you down. And he spoke out what God was going to do that day. He spoke his faith. Sometimes we just, our ears need to hear what God has already been saying. Fourthly, he started small. He didn't start with Goliath. He started with some of the, the smaller predators against his dad's sheep herd. He started there. He started small. And if we start small, God will take us to the big. And fifthly, I noticed that David wore protection. Uh, or sorry, David 
um, in starting small, David used what he had. And that was the other point. He used what he had and using what he had, meaning um, they tried to give him a sword. They tried to give him a spear. They tried to give him a big old shield. And, and David like, no, 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 no. That's unfamiliar to me. Here, I got my sling. I picked up my five smooth stones. That's familiar. That's going to be the winning combination. And so David chose the winning combination. So I call you to that place. Have a winning attitude. Number three, we need to wear protection. The third thing when it comes to baseball, wear protection. And so they've got the helmets, they got the pads, they got the guards, they got all the stuff on the gloves. Wear protection. And our protection, you know where I'm going with that. It's in Ephesians chapter six. We have the whole, it's heavenly protection, the whole armor of God. And we need to wear what God has provided to protect us. Wear the protection that he has given. First Peter five, eight says, the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he's going after you. So wear protection, heavenly protection. Number four, be an all-star player. I don't know if you've ever watched an all-star baseball, all-star game. Usually it's like in the month of July, it's about halfway through their season, the American League, National League will play off and they bring the best of the players together. And they spend a few days together and they have this game East against, well, not the East, it's the National League against the American League. They have the best of the players. They don't bring all the best of the biggest hitters. It's the best of every position. So it's the best of the first baseman the best of the second baseman, best of the third, left outfield, middle, right, best of shortstop, best of all the pitchers, best of all the catchers, best of all the coaches. They put the best players. And here's, here's the thing in that. The thing in regarding being an all-star player is sometimes we feel, you know, well, you know, pastor, I can't teach. You know, I, I'm not a good teacher. I'm not good in front of people. And, and so, therefore, there's no place for me. But there is. That the, the giftings that God has given his church are unique and they're multiple. And so the giftings where maybe in, in working with children, what a gifting. The gifting and maybe working with serving people and, and, and loving on people and the gift of mercy and helps. Oh my goodness, we need those to multiply. The giftings of, of that servanthood and, and being the person who is, is there to set up, tear down, bring in take down, tear down. What a gifting. The giftings of those who have faith to just pray and they stand in the place and they, they can commit themselves to the place of prayer and they faith for healing, faith for miracles. Listen, we all have unique giftings and we need to, we need to just believe that God is raising up an all-star team. Be in the all-star team. Be everything he has called you to be. No one is exempt, not one. He's called all of us. Every person has unique giftings. You know, I heard somebody say this one time, there are no spare parts in the body of Christ. There are no spare parts. We all have a part to play. God is looking for people who will take on the work that needs to be done, that needs to be done. So be there, show up, do it, be faithful, be fruitful. Well, get back up to bat, have a winning attitude. Got to wear the protection. Get on the all-star team. Doesn't mean you're going to be the best. It means you'll be faithful and loyal. And number five, lastly, we need to go from player to coach. My last point last week, we need to go from player to umpire. 
and take the authority. Well, my point this week is we need to go from player to coach. God did not save you just to hang out in the dugout. God did not save you just to watch a game. God did not save you to be in the grandstands. God did not save you to come to bat once in a while. There comes a point where you need to go from playing the game to teaching others how to play the game. God wants you to encourage, to teach, to lift up others to play the game too. We can all fulfill that role. When Jesus sent out his disciples in Matthew 10, verse 8, he said, freely you received, now freely give it away. God has brought somebody into your life to teach you. Now you start to teach others. And I, have, I don't know if there's a, a number, but I, I kind of just used the two-year marker. Listen, if you've been a follower of Christ for two years, you need to be teaching others by now. You need to be moving into that place. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, the message says this. By, the time you ought, by this time, you ought to be teachers yourselves. Yet here I find you needing someone to sit down with you and go over the basics on God again, starting from square one, baby's milk, when you should have been on solid food long ago. Milk is for beginners, inexperienced in God's ways. Solid food is for the mature who have some practice in telling right from wrong. Listen, we need to be, we need to be into the coaching position. This is a great time to be coaching people. And, and I'm, I'm using this point as kind of the, the final point here because this has been just stirring in my heart again a lot in this last month and a half that God wants us to be active disciples. You know, do you realize God has given us a gift? He's given us a gift. How many times we say, I can't, I can't get involved in other people's life because I can barely keep my, my own life. You know, I'm running off to work. I'm spending an hour and a half driving into the GTA and coming back. And, you know, I'm all the things that we're doing in the busyness and, and our kids are in sports and our kids are in extra school activity. Well, that has changed. This has been given us an opportunity, a gift afforded us. You know, moms and dads, can I just take a moment here? Can I encourage you? And this, Diana, we were talking about this. Pastor Trish just put something on the, on the website from Deuteronomy 6. And, and I just want to just reiterate this. Mom and dads, if your children are in your home, particularly if your children are in your home, they may be listening, watching right now as well. This is a great opportunity, mom and dad, to every day, every day, be a coach to your kids. You know, I'm reading a book. I'm just in the early stages, a book here called Faith for Exiles by David Kinneman. He took over the Barna research and, and they gather data for all these different things. And, and his, this book is called is Five Ways for a New Generation to Follow Jesus in Digital Babylon. And he uses the expression over and over, we are exiles today. And this book is new. It was just written last year. We are exiles in digital Babylon. We have so much media and stuff to occupy us. I mean, we go to Google to get our answers for life's questions. Mom and dad, we have an opportunity right now. Your kids are home. Pull their hearts back to you. You know, they often say uh, the matter of the heart or the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. And, and therefore, we need to have the hearts of our children. And some say, well, my kids don't want, you know, let's have devotions every day. I thank God that my mom and dad took time in between chore time and the barn, and we milked cows, 
that they came in and when we would go to school, we would spend 10 minutes just sharing around the word and sharing in prayer and sharing a few words before we went to school. Lori and I did that with our kids. We took, we, it was priority time to spend with our children. And I know for my kids, it's been highlights in their life as they remember those times. And, and we pray that it will continue on to the next generation. But to take those times every day, every day, you say, well, I don't know what to do. Well, open up the Bible, find a scripture, find a parable, just read a few verses. Don't make it long. Don't preach at them. Five, 10, 15 minutes based on their attention spans. Somebody says, well, they don't want to do it. Well, I just respond to that. Well, you know, I, I don't ever remember wanting to brush my teeth either, but I really didn't have a choice. And I don't remember wanting to wash my hands before I went for supper, but I didn't have a choice. And I don't remember wanting to go to school, but I didn't have a choice. Sometimes we just need to pull them in because we're the coach. And we pull them in and say, listen, we want to just share something that's really meaningful for us every day, every day. One of our prayer partners on Friday night, this past Friday night, we gather, we pray every Friday night. We welcome you to join us. And when we gathered on Friday night, one of the persons took us to the scripture in Joel chapter 2, 15, 16, and 17. And it talks about call the elders together and call the children together. And so I want to say, let's be coaches. Be coaches in the family. If your children are gone from the home, you can still be a coach to those children. You can still reach out and just let what God is doing, speaking to your heart and your life, just to be an example and testimony of his goodness, his faithfulness, and his, great, his greatness. But be a coach to others. Be a coach to people around us. Look for ways. Pray for ways. I pray for this. You know, every Sunday morning when we would have greeting time, oh my goodness, do I ever miss that? Our greeting time. And, you know, uh, we would be told, hey, why don't you take a minute and go and greet? your neighbor. And I, I, a number of years ago, the Lord rested my heart and he said, just don't greet simply the, the easiest, quickest people around you. Ask me who you need to go to shake their hand. And I began to do that. And I began, God, you just show me who to go to. And I just begin to walk and just, God, just lead me to somebody just to bless them, just to shake their hand and maybe hear their name and, and meet their family or greet them again. We are called to be a coach. That's what coaches do. We've been freely given. Now we freely give. So let's do that today. So, uh, you know, we have uh, Psalms 91 from the Amplified. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, who, whose power no foe can withstand. You know, we... The game of baseball is a nine-inning game. <laughs> and God's given us a winning strategy. He really has. We need to go to the plate, plant our feet on the rock that never changes. Get our eyes fixed on the author and finisher of our salvation. And know that we know the end of the story. We know what happens at the end of the game. Uh, we're going to just go and, and break into a song here. I'm going to ask Pastor Isaac in just a moment to lead us in a fairly new song that's been out recently. It's just been resonating in so many lives called Waymaker because he makes a way where there is no way. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit 
auroracornerstone.ca.